Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. It is episode 165. We got a lot to cover on the docket today. Sarah and Bridget Burgess are the guests on the show today. A twofer. For you. They are making history this weekend at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway Bullring. They're going to become the first mother-daughter duo to compete in a NASCAR or ARCA-sanctioned event. It's so badass. And they both are badass. You're going to hear from them a little bit about their story coming all the way from Daonanda in Australia. Oh, I, I just f- forgot that I, I didn't do an accent for them, and I wanted to get Sarah's perspective on it because I pride myself on accents. My Australian one needs some work, but it's neither here nor there. Maybe I'll see her in Phoenix and do that. Anyways, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation because they are awesome. The story is awesome, and they are absolute warriors. They got that dog in them for sure. So excited for you guys to hear that. We're going to chat a little bit about the Roval and Cole Custer's penalty that recently got announced this week. A lot of can of worms to open with that one, but. Before we do any of that, we got to throw it back to our Wayback segment as Papa Siegel is going to pay homage to everybody's favorite, well, buddy. Thank you, Duve. Welcome, everyone, to episode 165. Number 65 ranks dead last in most statistical categories in the NASCAR record book. Only 96 starts, dead last. No wins, no polls, only one top five and 10 top 10s, all bottom of the sheet. It's also the only car number in cup history that has never led a single lap. Wow. Relax. I know what you're thinking. You're expecting another venture into Cars Movie Land and Mama Siegel Kachigas. As fun as that might be, I think she's still recovering from her last appearance. Instead, We turn our way back lens on one of the most loyal owner drivers in NASCAR history. Buddy Arrington was another of the old school driver owner for love of the sport guys we like to highlight. Arrington ran 560 races over 25 consecutive seasons. That ranks second in NASCAR for cup starts without a win. But what set Arrington apart from all others was his absolute dedication and loyalty to the Chrysler brand. For the entirety of his career, Arrington only ran Chrysler cars, even when doing so meant scavenging for used parts, relying on the kindness of Petty Motorsports and other competitors for equipment, and almost always using a volunteer pit crew. Despite it all, Arrington never wavered from his use and support of Mopar until they abandoned him and pulled out of the sport. In 1985, Arrington's Chrysler Imperials were the last Mopar product to race in NASCAR 
until they re-entered the sport in 2001. Buddy Arrington, one of the legendary good guys of NASCAR, died just recently on August 2nd, 2022, at the age of 84. That's all for this week. Back to you, Duve. Thank you, Dad. Buddy Arrington, a a wonderful guy in the world of NASCAR, a household name, and somebody we lost too soon. Thank you, Papa Siegel, for this week's Wayback segment. Looking forward to what you can concoct and cook up for us next week for the old double sixers. Let's start off this episode as we always do. Were they good? Old-fashioned. Do it with me, party people. And let's throw it right over to my aforementioned chat with Sarah and Bridget Burgess. Sarah is from Australia. So is Bridget. She just doesn't have the accent. She grew up here in the States. And again, they're making history. Mother-daughter duo competing in the same race for the first time. They're going to do it this weekend at the Vegas Bullring. It is going to be a sight to see. They're getting a lot of attention this week because of this historic event that they're competing in. And I wanted to chat with them a little bit as well. We go way back to 2018 and 19 with the K&M Pro Series West. And it's been a while since I was able to sit down and chat with both of them, but really glad that I got the opportunity to do so today. So I will get out of the way and let you hear my chat with the mother-daughter duo that has taken the NASCAR world by storm, Sarah and Bridget Burgess. Pleasure to welcome on to the show this week, two ladies that are making history in Sin City. It is the mother-daughter duo to end all mother-daughter duos, Bridget and Sarah Burgess. Hello, guys. It's been so long since I've seen you. We were just talking before we got rolling. I hope you guys are doing well, getting ready for this big weekend. Absolutely. It's great to see you too, Davey, and um, thank you for having us uh, on the show. And uh, yeah, it's been a while. So uh, we were just talking about it. 2019 Canon West Series and Bridget mm-hmm. was out there rocking it in the um, the steel one piece body. So that's right. Yeah, we've uh, we've come a long way. So we're we're excited to uh, to talk to you about everything. Yeah, good times, good days, and good times. All right, let's get to the meat and potatoes of why we are here. It's a big big weekend for you guys. The first mother daughter duo to race at the same time and the same event in a NASCAR or ARCA series sanctioned event. Must be a pretty boring week for you guys, not doing any media, no stress, nothing going on, right, Bridget? (laughs) Yeah, it's boring. There's nothing else. But no, we've been really slammed just getting the two cars ready um, and also, yeah, the media side of things. Uh, uh, We um, had a small incident at the last race uh, collectively did I think all of six laps and like it would have been nice if that didn't happen because the workload wouldn't have been we wouldn't have been as bad but we literally had to take the engine out of Bridget's car and and repair the front end and um yeah so it's been been a bit of a toll I guess so it's been tough but we've been through it yeah I feel like that's par for the course for you guys whenever I see you at the track in the garage you're working on it your elbows deep inside the car Bridget you're always posting pictures and videos of you working on things Sarah you are the car chief the crew chief the pit crew the mechanic you're everything so this is just a walk in the park for you guys I'm sure yeah I always joke around that I don't need a gym membership like I mean not that I would have time for one but Everybody sees me running like at the track or that, pushing the car. All the time. I was going to bring that up because I think the last time I saw you guys in person was maybe Phoenix last year. I don't remember, but I do distinctly remember. I just saw Sarah running by me. Didn't even have yeah. the chance to say hello. You're you're busy at work. <laughs> so Bridget, just know that your mom is, 
is doing everything she can for you when you're on the racetrack. Even though you, you might be fighting ill-handling cars, she's doing all she can. So I know that this is not anything that you guys have not done before because you've raced off-road together before, but this is going to be different because it's full-bodied stock cars on the Las Vegas Motor Speedway bullring. That, that's a tough task in and of itself, but racing together, how did this come about in the first place? It's obviously something that you guys have done before and want to do again, but this specific time, this specific car, this specific track, how did it all come together for you guys? It was one of those things where, you know, we sort of started talking about it at the end of the season last year. And we're like, wow, it'd be, it'd be a really cool, like, opportunity to race. Um, you know, I'd like, I, I've wanted to actually turn laps, uh, like asphalt oval, just to sort of, you know, have a better understanding of, of how Bridger feels in the car and things like that. And so it was always sort of like that discussion. And then as we started getting into the season for this year and we started looking for a second car, more of like a backup car for Bridget, we're having it as a road course and like having an oval car and a road course car. And then it was like when when we actually got the car, we're sitting in the shop one day, we're like, you know what? We could actually now do the mother-daughter race. Like we've got two cars. Like what what's the worst that could happen? How hard could it really be to uh, to accomplish this effort? And uh, so that's how it all came together. It was sort of, you know, I think, um, which is the story of my life. Like it's coming up with like that idea and then like, what have I got to do to make that opportunity happen? Um, and so, yeah, we, we had the second car and, um, you know, we had, we all, we, we all have also worked really hard on Bridget's oval setup for this entire year. And so the second car never actually got used as a backup car for her. I it had just, to race to them all. Yeah. Just... Buckle up. <laughs> and I've been so mad about it because it matches my race suit. It's white. I'm like, I want a white race car. Yeah. You got so it I'll now. I'll never get one now. Yeah. <laughs> How long has it been since you guys raced together in any event? I know it was probably off-roading, but it's been a while. It was 20, uh, 2019. Um, okay. So that was when we, we, we both ran in the Lucas Oil Off-Road Racing Series. Bridget originally started in 2017 um, in the regional series just to get her feet wet and, and, you know, go through all those processes. Very similar to ARCA where you've got to, you know, earn your license. Um, and so then 2018, she went pro and we raced against each other for two seasons um, in that series. So uh, I do have video of Bridget hitting the back of my rear bumper um, in off-road. So... You know, there might be some payback, but I want to keep my car clean. So I want to get through the race and then at the end. <laughs> I don't know, Bridget, you going to pay her back? No, I just, I honestly just want to clean race with my mom. There's going to be a lot of cars there. So um, just making it to the end of the race is like a goal for both of us not to take each other out. Yeah. <laughs> keep it clean. Uh, there's 28 cars entered for this, uh, for this race uh, this yeah. weekend. And so it's going to be really busy on track. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of carnage. Hopefully you guys can stay clean and green and get through for a solid finish. But I feel like more importantly for you guys, and I mean, Sarah, you're probably a, can talk to this a little bit better, but getting through these races without any damage to then set you guys back for the next week or two or month, depending on what the schedule's like, because half or even more of the battle for you guys as a mother-daughter duo and balling on a budget as you guys have been for the last couple of years is just working on the little things that every other race team probably takes for granted because they have over one full-time employee probably, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, you know, 
One of the greatest things that I have actually working for eBay and eBay Motors um, in a work-life balance and yeah, how supportive that is from that aspect of, you know, what we do on the weekend, um, you know, and having that support and also, you know, where my work life is, you know, it's not a 24-7 thing working for eBay Motors, which is great and gives me that time to focus on getting the car repaired or getting it set up and, and everything else. So it's great to be in that environment. Bridget, is your dad still spotting for you? Because I know at one point he was, and he had a whole family trio going on on the radio. Yeah, so my dad still spots for me, um, but for this race, he will be spotting for my mom, and then I'll have a different spotter. So what do you do, flip a coin and you lost? (laughs) No, we just, um, when my mom, like, started racing off-road, actually, just the whole time, um, my dad has always spotted for my mom. So we just figured it would be best that my mom is used to having the same spotter and I'll just have someone different for the race. Yeah. We are actually in off road. Um, I guess it's more for the fact that I'm the rookie for the, for this race and, you know, Adam's got, you know, he's got eyes on the track. So again, anticipating that it's going to be busy. Um, you know, he's, he's really good at keeping the eyes all around the track and keeping me out of trouble. So that's, that's, the aspect for for that where Bridget's got way more experience than me and she's used to what she's what she's actually racing around so should be good is that weird for you Bridget now you are being the teacher to your mom for once it must be kind of strange yeah yeah definitely it's weird um but I I'm having fun with it just teaching her like uh because obviously shifting gears and this is different from the off-road track so it's just a matter of fact of like teaching her like, hey, don't touch the clutch, just, you know, yank it in gear. <laughs> it's a little different for her. So it's almost like you have to treat it like a shifter cart. And that's what we were learning yesterday. So um, I think it's fun. So. How, she has a, how she has a student, Bridget? Is she acceptable? Is she passing? <laughs> wow, she's <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I'll... I'll uh, I guess answer that when she goes third to fourth without touching. Silence speaks volumes, you know. (laughs) Wow, it's uh, she. Yeah, the first time I actually got in her car, we went and um, that was when I turned laps at Owendale back in April of this year, and it was it was actually really cool to you know go go do those laps and come off the track and. You know, Bridget was able to come over to me and be like, hey, did you feel it in turn one do this? And like on the exit of turn two and, and so on. So it was just, it was really neat to see actually Bridget's excitement um, to like in terms of, you know, the, like what did I feel out of the car? And we were, yeah, we were actually able to talk at a different level and aspect of um, not just being a crew chief, but having that feeling of, okay, yeah, I, I, I feel now what you're talking about when you're turning laps on the track. Right. Sarah, I, I have to imagine that you're probably more excited than you have been in a long time because you've raced almost everything that I can think of. I mean, when it comes to off-road cars, uh, drifting, you probably carted in your time. You got everything on the ground there at Utah Motorsports Campus, but this is going to be your first time running competitively in a stock car. So I know it's kind of a cliche question, but how excited are you to check that off the list? I it, It's like, it's mega awesome which is probably not the greatest words to even sum it up because honestly there are no words to explain the opportunity i mean you know we moved from from australia to the us in 2008 you know we watched nascar on tv and we're like man that's that's really cool and we had the opportunity to go to auto club speedway 
uh, you know, somebody gave us tickets to sit in the grandstand and we're like, this is the greatest, you know, American motorsport ever um, to be able to sit there and watch it. And never, never would I have thought in 2008 sitting in the grandstand watching, it was actually an Xfinity race. Um, and that today, you know, I would actually be participating in it myself and then at the same time making history on top of that. Yeah, um, yeah it's just, it, I'm speechless about the opportunity. Uh, obviously, you know, we've worked really hard, but at the same time, there's been so much support over the years, like through all of our different forms of motorsport, whether it's through friends, strangers, and, and our partners that have uh, come on board with us over that time for us to be able to get where we are today and have the opportunity that we have. So Bridget, I know that you were pretty young when your family moved to the States from Australia. Obviously, you don't have an accent. Your mom does. I know that it kind of comes back a little bit when you're around the certain people or you're saying certain words. Do you remember much about your childhood or, or the few years that you had growing up in Australia or is it kind of all a blur? I remember the one thing I always remember is my parents had a dyno. I was always in the workshop. Um, and that's kind of like it. And also we had a Baxter, but it's just little things like that. I do remember, but I honestly don't remember much because I did move here when I was six years old. Yeah. So I'm sure the cliche thing is like, oh, well, if your family's from Australia, why don't you have the accent? So why don't you? <laughs> did it, did it just never evolve? Did you have it once and you lost it? What's the story there? I did have it. And then it's just, um, over the years when I went to, uh, public school I just lost it because I just adjusted to how everyone else spoke around me right that makes sense um Sarah I know that the the obvious reason that you guys moved stateside was to help your whole family pursue this dream and this goal of making it big in auto racing but I'm sure that when you guys packed up and left and moved quite literally across the entire world not halfway across the entire world that had to be insanely stressful you know, on multiple different levels. Can you take me back to that time? And obviously Bridget was only a few years old too. So <laughs> dealing with her and making sure she's all accounted for and taken care of. What was that time period like for you professionally and personally? There was a, there was a lot that we went through just, um, you know, through different aspects. I, you know, just, I mean, just to take it back, I, I'd actually traveled to America when I was 16. I used to do speed skating and I was doing the, um, uh, actually, junior world, sorry, junior world championships for um, for short track speed skating. So, and um, and that was that was my love that I had for um, actually uh, moving to America, and uh, and that's where it all started from. But there was a lot of things that you know delayed our move in different aspects. Like my my dad was actually. Um, uh, he, he got diagnosed with cancer and, you know, he actually passed away within a year. So that was, you know, one of the aspects of being there for my mom. Um, uh, Bridget actually has a brother in Australia. Uh, my husband has a son, Bradley. So that was another aspect and another piece of the puzzle. So there were some of the beginnings on the delay of why we came here. And then once we established here, yeah, there was different aspects of, you know, Christmas time was one of the hardest aspect uh, things for us where we would call a family Christmas Eve and then on Christmas Day it was kind of like, well, what do we do? You know, like, what do we do with our time? Because it's just us three. Right. And then when we got to the end of 2010, um, because we did actually have someone else drift for us professionally and we got to the end of it and we're like, well, you know, it's kind of not working out. What do we do? Like, do we just pack our bags and move back to Australia and 
and um you know just not like just give up on this dream um and so then adam turned around around to me and he's like well do you want to do you want to drift and i'm like well i don't want to move back so yeah i'll start drifting and that's pretty much where it launched from and uh from there practice like you know it was actually you know i was pretty good at it so then we built a, a like a drift car and I uh, drifted competitively and that's where it all really started from and, and started working through working with different companies and sponsorship and growing the, like the, the network that we have. Um, and then went from drifting to off-road racing and was able to do five years in the Lucas Oil off-road racing series and it was a great opportunity. So I know obviously, um, Sarah, your passion for motorsports started back in Australia. I know your dad was from uh, from Britain and he had a passion for it and that's kind of how you got it. Bridget, I'm curious when your passion for motorsports and racing started. Was it always going to be something in this industry or did your mom or dad have to do a little coercing and convincing to get you into this? My parents definitely did not have to do any convincing for it. Um, I think just growing up in a workshop, I automatically had a passion for cars. Um, but when I fell in love with racing, it was probably when I was like 13 when my mom got into off-road racing. But I fell in love with it because it's like, they were going fast. They're flying in the air. They're somewhat crashing into each other. What's well, not to like? Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it's like as a thirteen-year-old, I thought it was really cool. So, um, I fell in love with it, and I remember telling my parents, like, "This is what I want to do. This is what I want to get started in." My parents, like, "Well, we don't really have the funding for it, but you know, if you work for it, then we'll try and work something out." So, three years after working on my mom's truck, always and learning a lot more about tools, putting them away, how to use them correct tools for what job um that's when they decided to just buy a roller chassis and we worked on it together and that became my off-road truck and that's how we got into the same class so yeah so how did you end up going from the off-road stuff to pavement racing and specifically stock car racing down the nascar path because those two they do have some similarities and we've seen some crossover i mean robbie gordon sheldon creed Haley deegan obviously but it's also not necessarily the most common way of going to the NASCAR route. So Bridget, why did you end up going down the asphalt path? Um, when we moved to Utah, I saw a lot more asphalt racing. Uh, and on top of that, I was paying a lot more attention. The older I got, the more, um, I guess, awareness I would take uh, towards racing where I would watch a lot more motorsports. And I watched a lot of NASCAR. And that's something where it's like my interest also grew into that instead of off-road like i love off-road i had so much fun with it but i also enjoyed going over 150 in the nascar so um but it's like i just fall in love with the higher speed um and also just my road course racing on asphalt so in 2019 when my parents decided to say like okay well if you want to get into asphalt racing we have to you know somewhat end off-road because we can afford to do both it wasn't even in our time either so uh, we decided to buy Asphalt Modified so I can build my license and then head into the ARCA series, which at the time it was K&N. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I, we slowly switched over. Uh, and we worked within our means, like our budget. And we didn't buy, like the Asphalt Modified I bought was for 4500 out of a barn. And um, I still remember I did the negotiating for that car and I loved it. I wish I still had the Asphalt Modified, but... Um, as time moves on and we go into other motorsports and we just keep going to a higher level, we do have to sell what we have. Mm -hmm. Um, so we can move it on to like our budget can go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Uh, and actually, that was one of the things um, in 2020, uh, Bill McAnally, uh, yeah, Lisa Sakab, Lisa said one dollar. Yes, swampy still body car for us to do the season in 2020, and you know that was that was such a great opportunity because we wouldn't have we wouldn't have continued after 2019 because we're still trying to figure out a lot. And so for Bill McNally to you know come through and support us the way he did, um, with no questions asked or anything else like that, was great, and that's what put us into buying a car in 2021. So Sarah, you you've been in the off road world your whole life, right? You have now a daughter who's following your footsteps and your passion for it. It's great. It's amazing. You know the ins and the outs of it. You can help her with it. That's anything a parent could want, I would assume, right? When she says, all right, mom, I want to pivot. I want to go stock car racing. I want to try my hand at NASCAR. You know next to nothing about that. You're going to go essentially into a whole new industry within the motorsports industry with no real knowledge about it, and you are still going to be the one that's helping Bridget through all of this. What are you thinking? Uh, story of my life. I mean, um, <laughs> it reflects me back on a few years ago when my husband said we should buy a CNC machine and make parts and accessories. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, but that's an easy thing. I can figure out how to do it. Sure. Um, and, and honestly, that is, it's rarely do we ever say no to a challenge. And because of the, the effort and the work effort um, ethic that Bridget had through off-road and knowing that, for her to grow further into a racing career it was looking at the opportunity to race into nascar and so you know it's one of those things again not having the budget like some other um some other people actually do to be able to just go to a team and say hey i, I want my my kid to race you know and, and race in the Fulaka series um we've never been in that position and and so we're like well whatever we can do to make the opportunity happen and it's worked out really well. I, I, we know, you know, on the oval side of things, there are a lot of people that we're up against in terms of crew chiefs that have been in it for like five, 10, 15 years. But the road course stuff is where we actually really had the opportunity to shine because of the fact that we have the facility here at UMC and that she can go do testing virtually whatever time she wants. That she actually built up a lot of road course experience. Yeah. And uh, the last Portland race, Bridget drove all the way up to fourth, which was just like awesome. Um, considering she actually started last because uh, we had an issue with the car during qualifying, we had to start rear of field, and so throughout the race she drove up to fourth. Um, heartbreaking that she had an issue with the transmission line. Brought the car in, we were able to fix it and send her back out to at least finish the race. But you know, it, it's to us that's a win because of what we're what we are actually competing against. Um, you know, and I think that's where, like, we get to show what, you know, what we're able to do and what Bridget's actually able to do as well. Definitely. Um, this is obviously a huge step for female representation in motorsports, which has been growing and in a positive direction for the last handful of years now, especially on the ARCA side. I think that that's where you see the most, uh, diversity and in female incorporation there. It still does need work though. It's obviously never going to be where we want it to be. This is a big step. And another big step, though, Bridget, was earlier this year, you raced with four other women in the same event at the same time. That had to be an incredible race to be a part of because you're making history this weekend with your mom, but you also made history with four of your counterparts earlier this year, too. Yeah, I remember that last year. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, it was unfortunate because last year my race did end early <laughs> just because of um, things went on and crashed into it. 
Um, yeah, that was like, I think it's amazing where it's almost every other race where like NASCAR makes some type of history, uh, whether it's with female racing or like anything else. So the, uh, actually there's four women, um, racing for this race as well. So we've also got, uh, Amber Slagle and, um, I believe Katie Hedinger. So it's a great opportunity that, you know, we've got four girls racing and and mother daughter racing against each other. So it's, there's a lot of history happening again. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Um, Utah Motorsports Campus. That's where you guys are at right now. That's where, Bridget, I always see you posting these awesome pictures of these <laughs> wild cars that come through. You get to drive some of them. Um, can you tell me the backstory about why that is where you guys are at? I know, Sarah, you work there, and Bridget, everything goes on there as well. But why would you guys settle at UMC, and why have you made that place kind of your base? <laughs> yeah originally we did move here well we did off-road racing we moved here because the off-road track is right here um and i'm serious used to race here and it, it just like it blended in when we moved here so and i think like we stayed here with us like with our arca cars just because i still had opportunities to go on the road course and get a lot of practice there's also a karting track here that i would practice on every week so good place to be it's a lot of stuff going on what is a what are some of the coolest vehicles that you've either seen on the premises or gotten the chance to get behind the wheel of i know that i know a couple that you've posted are like oh my god that's bucket list stuff but there's probably some that i haven't seen too i think the so the coolest car that i've seen here is um the mclaren senna uh that one's the most coolest car i haven't driven it but i've seen it a few times and i think it's just a an amazing car that you will not see at all and as for the coolest car i've ever driven it would most likely be the gt gt3 rs um i have a lot of fun with those so or the 911s <laughs> your answer is supposed to be the car that your mom prepares for you every week <laughs> But like as in as like uh normal cars, I guess. Yeah. Outside yeah. of racing, it, it would definitely be those two cars. Um, but I the reason why I love again my Arca car is just because uh, unlike those cars, my car has zero traction or any type of <laughs> assistant with driving. Yeah, so it's just yeah. me and a thirty four hundred pound beast and six hundred horsepower. So that's why I prefer a NASCAR over any of anything else. No, no driver aids. So yeah, what it is no. in Africa, so. not at all. Um, Bridget, I'm curious because you hear a lot of drivers talk about as they were, you know, working their way up on the short track level, like, oh, well, I raced with respect and I didn't beat my stuff up because I had to go back to the shop and work on it, or I knew the guys and the gals that had to work on it. Do you drive any differently, knowing that you and your mom are the ones that are going to have to fix it should something happen? I guess and no. Um. Like, I definitely don't go ahead and, like, think to myself, uh, oh, I, I can just hit anyone because I'm no, someone else is going to fix it. But for me, it's like, I'm not going to use that my front bumper to hit someone. Like, I will race someone the same way they race me. That's how I put it. If you race me clean, I'll race you clean. If you want to race me dirty, we'll see how that ends. Um, but it's, I definitely like to save my car. There's no reason for me to put it in the wall or just end my race early. Um, it is frustrating when someone decides to run straight into me and I think to myself, well, there goes like my days of fiberglass work just gone. <laughs> so, um, I would say the most frustrating part is actually just fiberglass. It takes days to fix it. Um, depending on like 
how large the crash is. But uh, besides that, I do like to take care of my car. I also have the mindset where it's like, I only have one engine for the season uh, and I'm not going to do any uh, money shifts on a road course. Sure. So <laughs> um, just little things like, yeah, I, I saved the engine. I'm not going to over rub it or anything. I, I, I've mentioned a couple times, but every time you pop up on my Instagram feed, I feel like you're just always working on cars somewhere. Does, do you get that from your mom? I mean, Sarah, where does she get the work ethic and just the love of tinkering on race cars from? It's got to be you, I assume. <laughs> It's, it's definitely by her dad and I. I mean, honestly, if, if we weren't racing, we would still be in the workshop doing oh, yeah. what we're doing. I mean, like right now, like you're you're seeing me, our environment of actually being in a workshop. Um, yeah, that's that is, that is my race car in the background, ready to, to get loaded into the trailer. But um, you know, it, it is it, that work ethic is something that we've just always had. Um, but again, if we weren't racing, our passion for, for cars and working on cars has always been, you know, the number one thing for us. Yeah. All right. I got a couple more and I'll let you run. So appreciative of your guys' time. I know it's really busy. Um, you guys are like social media famous, like big time though, world famous. I'm talking, I mean, Bridget, you got over like 230 Instagram followers, Sarah, you have over like a hundred thousand, uh, 60 K on TikTok. I mean, Besides the fact that it's cool to just have that many people following along and with your guys' racing journey and it's going to culminate this weekend in something awesome, how important and how vital have you guys both found social media to helping you guys grow in terms of branding, sponsorship, marketing, engagement off the racetrack? Well, I mean, for me, that's it's been kind of an interesting role with what we did when we moved over here and, and just for fun, like when we were drifting, we'd be traveling across the country and I sprint a van, I would actually be cooking in an electric frying pan and like posting about it. And that's kind of where it all started. Um, but for us, one of the things for us and what we post and what we talk about is all, it's all real stuff. I mean, it's like I've dirty hands and busted knuckles. I, I always joke yeah. about it. Um, and you know, really like not staging that we're doing something and, you know, that's been, um, some of the greatest things that we've done and, and, you know, having eBay motors come on board because of that is the life that I live. I live that life of wrenching and fabricating and, you know, and eBay motors really, you know, represents that to other mechanics and enthusiasts. So for me to be able to showcase that through social media was a really attractive opportunity for eBay Motors to be a part of what we're doing for the weekend, not just from a historic moment, but also just the fact that the related relatability that we have to the rest of the enthusiasts that are out there working on their cars. All right, Bridget, I'll get you out on this. Um, I'm sure you've learned a lot this season. And since you kind of made the transition from off-road racing to stock cars on pavement, What's the trajectory in your mind? What's the end goal here? Is I mean, every driver's end goal is to get to the top level and win a championship. Obviously, we know that's not going to happen overnight. What's the end goal for you short-term and long-term here in NASCAR? Uh, I guess uh, the major end goal would obviously be cup. Um, short-term goals, I would honestly just say I really want to get into the truck series. Um, like Also, do a lot of road course with that. I wish I could just skip to Xfinity, but obviously we do go through the truck series first. And that's something that I really want to do. 
uh, and that's what I'm focused on. My mom and I, we, we always talk about it almost every day. So, yeah. All right. Give us a little taste on what we can see from you, Bridget, maybe even you too, Sarah, for 2023 behind the wheel. Anything in the works? Anything we can expect specifically? Oh, wait. It's, it's a never-ending process. Um, I just like any any other person that's out there in the racing world, um, you know, and it's just, yeah, the next step up would obviously to be doing the full ARCA series and, and getting Bridget to the super speedways and getting that experience as well. Um, you know, getting to the Daytona test next year would be, would be a really good start. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just working through what opportunities are available with the various partners that we've been working with this year and, and how we can um, grow that to give her a really good opportunity for next year. I, I'll be honest in saying, like, I love what I do being a crew chief, um, but I would also love to see her be in really great equipment um, because I think she's got the talent to be able to drive. It's just being able to get all the pieces together to give her that. I'm sure you'd be the first person to line up and send her away to a bigger team with an, a crew chief that has way more experience. But you guys are <laughs> absolutely doing the best with what you got. And it's incredible to see. I seriously mean it. I mean, I've known you guys for a handful of years, but it's awesome to see what you guys are doing with it. You two are both badasses and look forward to seeing what you guys can do this weekend. Bridget's in the 88. Sarah, you're in the 97, correct? Correct. Yep. All right, My 88 and 97, that's right, your old truck <laughs> number. I know that's why you picked it. So we will be watching this weekend on Flow Racing at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway Bullring. Cannot wait to see what you guys do, and eBay Motors is helping you guys accomplish it, which is awesome to see them stepping up too. Thank you guys so much for the time. I know it's an insanely busy week, and good luck this weekend. We'll be chatting soon. Awesome. Thank you. And we are back. Oh, man, so much to unpack. I didn't even get to about half the things I wanted to ask them, being a mother-daughter duo and a male-dominated sport and just everything that goes into getting their race car, in this case, race cars, on the track each weekend. I, I got to tell you guys, I mean, you can look up Sarah Burgess' pit stop or find some footage of her working on the cars and everything, but the stuff that you don't see, because let's face it, the broadcast of these ARCA races and K&N races are not as high quality as the Cup, Xfinity, or truck stuff, just because that's what it is. But the stuff that you see in the garage, on the ground, take my word for it, it's crazy. And the stuff that Sarah does is insane because, sure, Bridget and the 88 car, they're not gonna light the world on fire and go win a bunch of races this year and next year probably, but that doesn't mean that they're working their ass off. And that should be recognized. And I'm glad that it is being recognized more and more especially this week but sarah is an absolute badass she works her butt off bridget does the same and i'm glad that they're going to be enjoying this historic moment together glad that they were able to share some perspective with me and us on the show this week so sarah thank you bridget thank you and thank you to kara as well of ebay motors for helping coordinate that conversation on a little bit of a short notice i really appreciate you guys carving out the time and looking forward to seeing what you got this week go kick some ass Let's chit-chat briefly about the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. Round of 12 coming to a close. Round of 8 is upon us this week at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. You had Christopher Bell winning at the final bell. For whom the bell tolls. Saved by the bell. I'll see myself out. He wins. JGR's first win on a road course this year. His second win of the season. And boy, did it come at the right time. Because he couldn't even get in on points. He needed to win and... He came through 
in the clutch. C. Bell with the clutch gene, which means Austin Sendrick, Alex Bowman, who remained out due to concussion-like symptoms, Daniel Suarez, who was fighting power steering all day, and Kyle Larson, the defending Cup Series champion, is out of the 2022 playoffs. Didn't even make the round of eight. It's crazy to think about the fact that he had such a great year last year. Ten wins, dominating runs, week in and week out. He's been really good this year. Really good. He's a championship favorite, or I should say was, for good reason, but it's about what have you done for me lately. It's a three-race season, back to back to back to back to back, and he just did not have the right result at the right time. And Crazy to say, but Cliff Daniels, the five-team, Kyle Larson, see ya. They are out, which means Chase Briscoe gets in by the skin of his teeth. And oh boy, there was some controversy with this one, as my friends say across the pond. So Cole Custer, he slows down on the backstretch, entering the chicane to allow Briscoe to gain a couple spots. NASCAR says after the race, they're going to investigate radio transmission, video, SMT, telemetry, etc., etc., to determine whether or not that was fair and that was just. So you knew something was a little bit fishy, right? Tuesday comes, and NASCAR penalizes Cole Custer 50 driver points, 50 owner points, fines him $100,000, finds Mike Shiplett $100,000, and suspends him indefinitely because they deemed that they violated the rule book in terms of the quote-unquote 100% rule. I'm not going to read you the rule book verbatim. You can listen to SiriusXM NASCAR Radio for that. You can see it on Twitter. I'm just going to give you some analysis and some hashtag takes on this. This opens up a very large Pandora's box, and it creates a very, very slippery slope, if you ask me. And to Scott Miller's credit and NASCAR's credit, they addressed it head-on on the morning drive this week. Essentially, Mike and Pete asked them, okay, There have been instances before where there has been radio transmission of another driver basically being told to lay over or do not pass somebody, and that can also be seen as manipulating the finish or the outcome of the race. Why was a penalty not handed down there and it was here? And Scott Miller said, candidly, there may have been some instances in the past that they have missed, but that doesn't mean that they can let slide what happened at the Roval because, quote, What happened at the Roval was wrong, and they had to react. They did react. Now, that, again, it opens up a can of worms because I can say a couple examples this year, and you've seen them and heard them already this week on Twitter, I'm sure. Tyler Reddick said he was not going to pass Austin Dillon at Daytona because he knew if he passed him, he would get more playoff points, but if he passed him, Austin Dillon wouldn't be in the playoffs. That's an example right there. Last year at Atlanta, Ross Chastain blocking the ever-living you-know-what out of Kyle Busch so his teammate Kurt Busch could come through, get past Kyle Busch, and win a race to get into the playoffs. And Kurt Busch says verbatim on the radio after the race, quote, thank you, Ross Chastain. Going back a couple years, Martinsville, Eric Jones is told on the radio by a spotter, Rick Corelli, quote, don't pass him, Jones, talking about Denny Hamlin, because if he passed Denny Hamlin, Hamlin would have been at risk of failing to advance to the championship four. The list goes on and on and on, people. And the list is going to get longer, and it's not going to stop. Now it's just a matter of how NASCAR polices it moving forward and what the teams say over the radio, because we can agree. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. The reason that they have not been caught or it has not been enforced in the past 
is because most of the time there wasn't a directive that is obvious from the race team. When Shiplet says, I think you have a flat tire, check up, check up, and NASCAR deemed he couldn't even see the car, it's pretty obvious. There's a smoking gun there. But, you know, if he were to say under caution, maybe before the restart, hey, here's a situation. Briscoe's out by two. He's three spots behind you. Be wary of him. He's probably going to be a bull in the China shop. I-, I don't see anything wrong with that. Now, I don't know if I see anything largely wrong with what Custer did on Sunday. That's another topic for another day. But at the same time, it's just a very, very slippery slope that NASCAR is going down by making this ruling and SHR appealed it. I think they have, frankly, a good chance of winning that appeal, which would not be a good look for the sanctioning body, losing two appeals back-to-back on very controversial rulings. But we do not have a shortage of things to talk about this week in the NASCAR world. Bottom line is, Cole Custer and Stuart Haas Racing and NASCAR's eyes cheated and manipulated the outcome of the race, and they got caught. That's not to say that other people in the past have gotten caught or did cheat, and people will in the future. I'm just talking about the here and the now. But what happened in the here and the now and that ruling will affect the future. Make no bones about it. All right, that's enough ranting and raving for today. That'll wrap things up for episode 165 of Victory Lane 2.0. Party people, I appreciate you so much for sticking with me, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Doing so on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, on all available podcast platforms even that green one that I can't really say. We are available there for your consumption. And if we're not, drop me a line. I will try to rectify that issue for you. Again, so appreciate Sarah and Bridget Burgess for spending some time with me this week. Appreciate you carving out time every week for Victory Lane. We're going to be back next week with Bailey Curry of JD Motorsports. And he actually just may have some news to announce. I'll tease you on that one and let you marinate on it for this next week enjoy las vegas motor speedway this weekend party people the round of eight is upon us the season is dwindling down it's gonna get good i can't wait talk to you next week